take your Bibles with me to John chapter 10 this morning. This morning we're going to be in verses 1 through 10. The title of the message is The Good Shepherd. And we'll spend quite some time in chapter 10 as the Lord allows. But we're going to begin reading this morning in verse number 1. If you're there in your Bible this morning with me, say Amen. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door by the door, excuse me, is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If any enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life, that they may have it more abundantly. The Good Shepherd discourse that we're going to get into today, it takes place in the same setting as we saw in chapter 9. Jesus is still in conversation with the Pharisees, those who had misused and abused and and mistreated, of course, the man who was healed of his blindness. And we, of course, learned a few weeks ago how Jesus, as the good shepherd, he, he sought out this man. He went and found him when he heard that he had been excommunicated from the synagogue. And so the setting remains the same. Jesus is going to show the difference between what a false shepherd looks like and what a what the good shepherd is. And of course, the imagery the imagery here, the illustrations used here are very familiar to these people. This would have been an agricultural society. There would have been many flocks in Israel at this time and of course, at that time, Jesus he, of course, being the masterful preacher that he was, he would use these illustrations often throughout Scripture to shed light on spiritual concepts. And this is no different as he goes into the Good Shepherd discourse. Now, if you study Scripture, this is not an uncommon analogy. Many of the great men in the Old Testament were referred to as shepherds. I think about Abraham. Of course, he was a shepherd. We know that God blessed Abraham and and his flock got to be so big that his herdsmen and, and his nephew's herdsmen, they begin to have quarrels. And so they had to split. And so Abraham, of course, was familiar with what it was to be a shepherd over flocks. And then we know that David, David was a shepherd. Um, we know that God, of course, promoted David from outside, you know, in the wilderness, watching a few of his father's sheep to being the shepherd of Israel the spiritual and political leader of God's people. And this picture of being a shepherd is 
something that we see common throughout Scripture. Now, I want you to understand that shepherds were not folks that were highly respected. This was the least of the least when it came to jobs. You see, the shepherds would smell like sheep. How many many guys have been around sheep, right? They stink, huh? (laughs) The, The shepherds would have long, long, grueling hours in all types of elements. They would they would protect their flocks, and they were rough men. They had to be strong men. And I, I'm I'm thankful that in this church you're going to hear about what it is to be a masculine man, a man who stands out in front of their family and is a shepherd of of their own family. But uh, these shepherds in the Bible, they were not uh, weak men. They were not wimps. You know, I've been trying to raise my sons not to be wimps. You know, so sometimes we'll just be in the house and I say, drop and give me 20, you know, and I'll get down and I'll, I'll do it with them. Yeah, amen, right? Come on. My son sometimes comes to me and he's complaining about these little aches and pains. And you guys have seen the videos on social media. It talks about how the, how the generation seemingly is getting softer and softer. It, it's been scientifically proven that men today have less testosterone than men of generations past. And I think a lot of that has to do with how we parent our kids. We remove all types of obstacles. We make it so easy for them. And I, I mentioned something to one of my kids about they're outside. It was hot. Yes, it was hot last week. It was, right? And I said something to them like, hey, just drink. Don't come back and forth in here. You're letting all the flies in and all these things. Just drink from the water hose outside. And she looked at me and said, Ew. I never do that. I'm like, where have we come, right? How many of you remember, you know, <laughs> we've come so far in this nation. I'm afraid, if, I'm afraid, honestly, I'm afraid if we have to go to war with this generation. I'm getting in shape because I'm saying, like, I, I, we can, <laughs> I'm not beating you guys. I'm, teens, if you're in here, I'm not, I love you, I'm for you. I'm just trying to help you and your parents. Think about it. Kids today, they have a $1,000 phone in their pocket. They're wearing $200 sneakers. They're going to get $7 lattes. And if you tell them something, you know, they just they just can't process it. You know, anxiety. They're anxious about everything. And I'm, I'm just thinking about that. But anyways, I don't know how I got on that rabbit trail. Shepherds, right? Shepherds were real men. They were men's men. And I, I'm trying to, of course, be that and, of course, model that. But these men were, were not highly viewed upon, but I find it very telling that Jesus would identify with these men, that he, as the good shepherd, he would take the position of a servant, right? What did Jesus say? If you're going to be the greatest among your brethren, you will be the servant of many. The greatest among us is a servant. We're going to of course, see throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus modeled this. I was thinking about it this week when Jesus washed the feet of the twelve. And, and that was the job of the most lowly of lowly servants. But aren't you thankful that we serve a Savior who humbled Himself and came and He took the lowest rung even though He was the highest of all. He was the one, the high exalted one above all the universe. And He took upon Him, the Bible says, the form of a servant. And being found in the fashion of a servant, he, he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He died the worst death imaginable, shamefully for us. 
I don't know about you when I think about it, when we sing about it, it just brings me to tears that my Savior would do that for me. And let's never get over what Jesus has done. But I want you to know the Good Shepherd, he's going to identify the difference between true shepherds and false shepherds. Now, often throughout Scripture, political and spiritual leaders were called shepherds in that time. And of course, at this time, the Pharisees would have been viewed as shepherds. Now, remember, Jesus is talking to those shepherds in this discourse. They had proven that they were spiritually blind, even though they claimed to have insight. They had proven that they did not care about people. They cared more about rules and regulations. They they wanted to place burdens upon people rather than to bless people. And Jesus, of course, was the stark contrast to these men. He came to give life. We'll see it in life more abundantly. He came to set the captives free. He came to take uh, take off the heavy burden. He says, come unto me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Try of me. Learn of me. I am meek and lowly of heart. Uh, I'm telling you, Jesus was the complete contrast to these Pharisees. They were high-minded. They had their heads up in the They were just so prideful. And they treated people as less than. And I want you to understand something. One of the things that God is showing me as he's called me into the position of being an under-shepherd is that uh, I know that I'm straying from God when I start to look down on people, when I start to think that I'm more than anyone else. And, and, and you know, we all at times struggle with this, and it's, it's important that we do not align with the, the same attitudes and the same actions of these Pharisees. You know, many Christians today... Uh, people know what we're against. They know where we stand on these controversial issues that we talk about often. But what people don't see from us enough is that we love them right where they are. And I just, I keep beating that drum because I'm learning this. People know that they're sinful and they're broken. But what we need to be is the, the love of Christ extended to these people. And this is what Jesus modeled. He was close. He spent time with, he, he was not like sinners, but he spent much time with them and and the people, because of his love and his his uh, his presence, they would change. They they wouldn't remain the same. And I'm telling you, that's what we should model. But I want you to notice with me as we get into this message today. I want you to notice this familiar illustration. Jesus opens his sermon with a very familiar illustration. Let's read it again. He says, "Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter." the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, as I said, this would have been very common in that day. Now, I want you to understand something. The sheepfold would have been a, a, a rock enclosure in which there would have been several different flocks inside of the sheepfold. And, and so Jesus is using something that these people would have been familiar with. This enclosure would have had an opening and it had one door and the shepherd would guard the flock by night. And he, of course, he'd, he'd, he'd guard them from predators. Shepherd, uh, the shepherd knew that in the dark that the lion would come out and the wolves would come out and, and the predators for the sheep would come and try to uh, take the sheep and, and, and eat the sheep and destroy the sheep. And so he would lie at night across the opening. He would literally place his body in between the opening to 
protect the sheep from going outside of the fold and also uh, for not allowing anyone who should not be or any animal or beast inside of the fold to ravage the sheep. And so Jesus is using this picture, this word picture, this illustration uh, to uh, teach a spiritual and, and to teach them of who he was as the good shepherd. Now I want you to understand something. This would have been um, something that Jesus and everyone in that vicinity would have, of course, known and they would have witnessed and seen. And so uh, he is, of course, uh, trying to teach. And I love this about Jesus. He's the best preacher who ever lived, and he kept it at the bottom shelf. Have you ever been to a, and heard a sermon that just kind of flew over your head with deep theological terms and, you know, fancy language and all these other things? But I, I find it to be true that uh, what we should be as communicators of the Word of God is we should make things so so simple that a five-year-old can understand, so simple that uh, it's on the bottom shelf so people can pick it up. And, and this is what Jesus is doing here. And he's going to illustrate the difference between the true shepherd and false shepherds. I want you to see what he says. He says that those who don't enter, who enter through some other way other than the door, they are thieves and robbers. I want you to see this is very strong language Jesus is saying. I want you to see, first of all, false shepherds, they access the sheepfold illegally. And he's talking directly to the Pharisees, those leaders in that time. You see, these religious leaders had gained their place and their prominence among God's people, but they had done so through personal and political connections. They had done so through formal education, through ambition, through manipulation, through corruption, many of them. These were not God-called leaders. And I want you to understand something today that the problem in a lot of churches in America is the same as it was in Jesus' day, that there are shepherds who are self-appointed. There are men who step into this, this sacred desk, the pulpit, and they do so with the intentions to exploit people and to get things out of people, not to protect the people, not to feed the sheep, not to lead the sheep, as Jesus, of course, has, has modeled. And, and so Jesus is He's pointing out the difference between he, the, the good shepherd, and the false shepherds who were in Israel at this time. You see, they accessed their position illegally. You see, God always intended for, the, for his people to be led, fed, and protected by those who come in le, the legitimate way. The door is there for a reason. Some will always try to climb the barriers and find ways in, but God has put the barriers there for a reason. I remember when God called me to the ministry, when he called me to preach. And uh, let me tell you, I was very fearful. You know, the, the most terrifying thing for me to ever do is to, to speak in front of people and, and to have to, um, you know, walk through life and, and the good and the, the bad and the ugly with people. But I, I remember when God called me, and I knew it wasn't me calling myself, because I had I, I didn't want any part of it, honestly. But I'm telling you, there are many today who, uh, for whatever motive that they may have, they are in the ministry. They are they are shepherds who truly have not gone through uh, or been called by and sent by God. And this is what Jesus is talking about. These men had come some other way, and they were labeled by him as thieves and robbers. But Jesus, the true shepherd, 
Of course, he is the rightful owner, and he uses the door is what he's going to uh, speak to these people about, these Pharisees. Look at verse number two. He says, but he who enters by the door is the, shep- is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. I want to see a true shepherd, and Jesus, of course, is the good shepherd. He is the, he is the shepherd of his people. Now, I want you to understand that the sheepfold here is not talking about us yet. It's talking about Israel at this time. A lot of people take this text and they kind of they fast forward into the you know the the, the 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 church age, but at this time, of course, Jesus is speaking to the Jews. Jesus went to his own first, right? The gospel went to the Jews first, and it's very clear that he came into his own, but his own did not receive him. Many rejected Jesus, but there were some who heard him, and I want you to notice this. He says uh, in the rest of verse number three, he says, um, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. The true shepherd, of course, he is the rightful owner, and the sheep hear and recognize him for who he is. And I want you to know, church, family, that, you know, we we as God's people, we as part of the flock now, of course, uh, we are only who we are because at some point, we heard the voice of God and we responded to the invitation of God to believe on him, right? And so this is why there should be no pride in us. There should be no arrogance about us. You know, like the Pharisees, the Pharisees thought because they, they were high and exalted in their society that they had, uh, they had pride and reason to have spiritual, uh, prominence. But this is not true, of course, uh, in the scheme of, of eternity and what God has made clear in his word. These false shepherds were not a legitimate, but Jesus, of course, the true shepherd, is the rightful owner. And he speaks of this. Thieves and robbers can never enter through the door. When someone wants to break into our homes, they don't come through the front door. They don't usually knock, right? They come another way. And the emphasis here, a thief, of course, he steals by cunningness, by by being, uh, you know, deceptive. And a robber, anybody ever been robbed? You know, um, armed robbery. Correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, Matthew. It's armed robbery, or is something that involves a violent act or a weapon involved in it. And it's it's a different type of crime in in the sight of law. But Jesus is, of course saying that some of you have gotten in here through theory, you, your sheep, your wolves in sheep's clothing, and you've deceived people, and, and now you're in this position, and now you're exploiting people, and some of you are just, uh, you're, you're, you just came by force, you took it, you had ambition, and you, and you uh, got into this position, but let me tell you, uh, you aren't a true shepherd, you are a false shepherd, and it shows in the fruits of your ministry. So Jesus is Showing the difference between the true shepherd and false shepherds. I'm thankful that here we have a true shepherd. I, I, I always try to exalt, not the man, right? Uh, you know, cause we're all, we're sinful. You hang around with me for a week, you'll see things in my life that need to be worked on. And, and pastor, I know he hates it when we mention him too, but I truly have learned what it is to be a shep, uh, a shepherd. I'm learning from him. Because it's not a day that doesn't go by or a week that doesn't pass where I haven't seen so-and-so in a while. Have you seen them? 
can you reach out to so-and-so? I, I want to just make sure they're okay. And, you know, I wouldn't be here if he didn't reach out to me. He said, to, you know, he, shoot, he shot me an email when I was in a really low time when we were in L.A. And he said, how you doing? And I said, not good. <laughs> and here we are today. But I'm telling you, we should pray for our shepherd. We should encourage him. And, you know, we are, of course, we are under the leadership. We are the under shepherd, but Jesus is the shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He's the one. We, we are doing our very best to follow Christ, and we're encouraging you to follow us, like Paul said, as we follow Christ. And, and yes, we're going to get it wrong at times, and we ask for grace. We ask that you show us the same grace that we try to extend to you. But I want you to know something today. It is not common to, 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 to be in a place where there's a shepherd who uh, is the watchman over the flock, who loves the flock, who, who feeds the flock, who does the work, who, who follows Christ in such a manner. You know that comes at a price? It comes at a price because he's the first to be attacked. He's the first. He gets the most criticism. He gets the most, uh, by the way, of, uh, of backbiting and backstabbing and all you can think about. Um, and I, I've seen this, and, and I've done my very best to try to shield him from a lot of things. Sometimes people come to me and, and try to say something about Pastor Shane, and, you know, I shut that down really quickly. Jesus, the true shepherd, the good shepherd, he has the right to go into the, the sheepfold by the gate. And I want you to see not only the true shepherd versus false shepherds, but I want you to see the sheep and the shepherd. I want you to see verse number three again with me. It says, To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. I want you to know the sheep, those who are part of his, his flock, they hear his voice. They hear his voice. Now, I want you to know when God, He calls we as His followers sheep, it isn't a compliment. You know, sheep aren't the most intelligent of animals. They're not. But there's something unique about sheep. It's been known that sheep can recognize the voice of their shepherd. It's been, it's been founded that, you know, in that time, they would give names to the sheep, right? And we see this, that Jesus calls us by name. He knows our name. Aren't you thankful Jesus knows your name? He knows your address. He knows what you're going through. But it is known that sheep would even answer like your dog answers to their name. And so they would come and it's been reported that people have tried to take or steal sheep and, and they uh, when they do that they have to drive them out. They have to uh, either by means of fear or whatever drive them away from the safety of the sheepfold. But we're going to see here that Jesus, the good shepherd, he leads us. He doesn't drive us. He, he walks before us. He stands in the way. I want you to know today, if you're in Christ, if you are one of his sheep, and we're the sheep of the other fold, the Gentiles, most of us in here, and I want you to know that the shepherd goes before you. There is nothing that's going to come to you that has not first gone through Jesus. And I know some of you are saying, well, why do I have this sickness or why do I have this? I don't have the answer for you in that, but I know that you're not alone. Oh, you've seen the picture uh, of, of, you know, the footsteps in the sand, and it talks about that, you know, when you were 
not able to walk, that Jesus carried you. He, he brought you back. And, and this is what he will do in our lives. He will be our shepherd and he'll go before us. Sometimes he'll carry us. He'll put us on the, on his back and bring us back to safety. And I just want to encourage somebody with that today. You aren't alone. I'm not alone. Sometimes in the darkness of night, when we can't see where the predators or where the enemy is going to attack, all we can do is trust the, the shepherd, right? All we can do, oh, I don't know what tomorrow holds, neither do you, but I know who holds tomorrow. And I'm telling you, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. I can face anything with my shepherd, my good shepherd. And I just want to encourage somebody with that truth. This is true. Jesus will say later on in John chapter 10 that he lost not one that God has given unto him. And I'm telling you, he still has not lost one. Thousands of years later, any who come unto him, anyone who hears his voice and responds in faith, he will never and no wise leave or forsake you or allow you to, to be left on the highway high and dry. I'm telling you, he will be with you. The sheep, they hear my voice. Like I said, we, we as sheep, we aren't always the most intelligent. Sometimes we stray from safety, right? Sometimes we, we, we get away from the flock and, you know, I've seen it. I've seen it, you know, people who were once on fire for God, they're, you know, in church, they're serving, they're, they're, they're just, you know, you can see it that they're just having excitement about God and then you see them less and less and less and then they're, they're not fellowshipping with other believers at all and before you know it, they're back in the old life and they're, they're, they're outside of, I would say, the will of God. And, and that's where the enemy wants you. He wants you away from the flock. Let me encourage some of you today just to press in in these days. Don't be a AWOL when we're in a battle. Don't be out trying to fight the enemy as a sheep when you can't, you, you don't even really understand what we're going up against. I'm not telling you this to be afraid of the devil. I don't fear the devil. I'm telling you because I am close to the shepherd. But I'm telling you, if I get away from the shepherd, oh, I've seen many a preacher fall by the wayside. I've seen many take a, a blow from Satan and, and now they're divorced. Now they're out of ministry. Now their family's in, in, in a wreck and shambles. And I'm telling you, I want to encourage us to stay close to the shepherd. Hear his voice. Jesus, of course, when he came to the nation of Israel, he came the appointed way. He came just as the scriptures had promised. I was thinking about all the, the prophecy that was fulfilled in Christ. And just, there, there could only be one. There could only be one. And he was sent by God. Of course, he said it over and over and over again before this same crowd. And they refused to believe him. They did not hear his voice. The truth is that many will not hear his voice. They willfully will reject him. And that's, that's scary. That's very sad. But I want you to know the true shepherd and any, our shepherd, he loves the sheep. He, he will care for them. I want you to see, look at verse number four. The Bible says he calls his own, in verse number three, his own sheep by name. He calls them and he leads them out. As I said, God will lead us. He won't drive us. Number four, and when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. Once again, he's, he's going before us. 
He's going to lead the way. He's going to show the way. He has set the example and we are to follow. And, And then it says, and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. You know, one of the indicators that you are in Christ is how well do you follow his voice? I find it very telling when, when a person says, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, but they, they're in a lifestyle that's completely contrary to the word of God. And they're comfortable there. It's one thing to struggle with sin. We all struggle with it. It's one thing to be comfortable there. I'm telling you, everybody's a Christian until it gets biblical. According to Gallup polls, there's, there's, there's 200, 300,000 out of the 400 or whatever million people. There should be 200 million, 300 million Christians in America. But look at, look at our society. And I'm, I'm just, I'm leery of this, but Jesus is hitting on something because these men, these Pharisees were very religious. They went to church more than you and I ever went to church. They knew more scripture than you and I. They have forgotten more scripture than you and I know. But yet they didn't know the shepherd. Has God spoken to you? Have you heard the shepherd's voice? Does God lead you in everything, anything? I'm telling you, like, is there times when God redirects you? Or he sends you somewhere? Or the Holy Spirit says, hey, you better not. (laughs) Makes you bite your tongue. I'm telling you, is, do you hear the voice of God? If you never hear the voice of God, then I would, I would make sure of my salvation. Because Jesus said that they know my voice, they hear me, and they, they follow me. That means if Jesus is going that way, I'm hearing Jesus' voice, and I'm following Jesus, and my life is going that direction. It's, it's becoming more conformed into his image. That should be uh, evident in all of our lives. That's, that's not salvation. That's called sanctification. That means that we are becoming more and more like Christ. The things that we struggled with 10 years ago, they shouldn't have the same grip on us. And I'm telling you, we've got to get back to going to the Scripture and hearing the voice of God and letting the Spirit lead us once again. Aren't you tired of just feeling defeated in your Christian life over and over again? It's a cycle. Uh, you, just, you just find yourself back <laughs> in the same vice? I am. So we've got to understand that the the shepherd, when he speaks, we've got to discern his voice. You see, because true sheep, they can discern, they understand, they can hear the distinct voice of the shepherd. Of course, these men before him, before Jesus, they didn't. They rejected him and they couldn't hear his voice. They couldn't recognize the Son of God before them. And it showed they were, as they were, children of the night. They were the the devil's children, as Jesus had said before. And it showed in their demeanor, their action, their treatment of people, how they lived. So this morning, Jesus uses a familiar illustration, that of a shepherd, his sheep in the sheepfold. And, of course, he is the good shepherd. He's the perfect shepherd. He is everything that we could possibly need. He says that I, he, he leads his sheep out. He leads them to where they need to go. And uh, he goes before them. And, and this is what he's saying. You guys are, you, you're not like me. You're, you're not uh, of this fold. You are different. You, you don't love people. You don't love the sheep. You, you are, you're mistreating the sheep. You're false shepherds. 
And he says of his sheep that they know him, they hear his voice, and they follow him. But I want you to see, secondly, a fitting application. So Jesus uses this illustration, of course. He, he lays out this picture of the sheep and the shepherd, and now he's going to apply it. Like I mentioned before many times, Jesus is my favorite preacher, and he's very succinct in how he, he would express and, and, and apply the truths of his word. And I want you to see verse number seven. He's going to do that. The people didn't understand. We see in verse six, they, he used this illustration, but they did not understand what he spoke to him. But look at verse number seven. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Let's stop right there. Jesus, of course, is going to use another picture to explain this to them, to apply this where it needs to be applied. Now, as I mentioned before, sheep pens of that time, they had only one entrance, right? And the, the door was the only way in and the only way out. And so the shepherd would lay his body across the entrance at his time of watch. And so to keep the sheep in and to keep the wolves out, the shepherd was in fact the door. But I want you to understand what Jesus is saying, that he is the only way. He is the door into the sheepfold of God's family. You cannot become a sheep of God except going through Jesus Christ. And what he was saying is there is no other way. You can't climb the fence of religion. You can't climb the fence uh, with your good works. You can't Climb the fence with your church membership. You can't climb the fence with whatever you want to put in the blank. You must go through me. I am the door of the sheep. And I want you to understand that is not popular. It's popular inside of these four walls. But when you get outside of these four walls, people don't want to hear that. How can you say that Jesus is the only way? What am I going to tell my friends that are in Islam? What am I going to tell my Buddhist uh, neighbor? What am I going to tell uh, whoever you want to put in the blank about this? Well, I'm going to tell you this. The gospel is offensive and you may offend someone, but I'd rather offend someone and have an opportunity to possibly see someone get saved than let them go down their road of destruction. It's not popular. How many of you guys have ever seen the uh, buffer stickers and, you know, coexist? And you'll see on that that image, you'll see the, the Wiccans uh, sign, and you'll see, you know, the Star of David, you'll see... Um, Scientology symbol. You'll see all these other things. And, and what that message is there is that we should all coexist. Yes, we should coexist. I do believe that we should, we have the freedom in this country to uh, express our faith and practice the religion of our choice. Yes, I do. But I want to be very clear this morning that all these other faiths, all these other False teachers, all these other false churches, they are not co-equal with Jesus. And Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. And I know I'll never get an invite to Oprah. I know I'll never be They won't interview me on CNN or you know, other, you know. But I'm, I'd rather be true to God. I'd rather be... Uh, true to the Word of God, and, and be ostracized like this blind man we just learned about, uh, rather than be accepted in the high 
uh, and lofty company of those who do not believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, we don't have to be arrogant about it. We don't have to be puffed up in ourselves, but we do have to proclaim the truth. Jesus said it, I am the door of the sheep. He, he uses this picture. Then he goes on, he says, All who came before me, whoever came before me, look at verse number 8, are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. He, he doubles down in verse 10. He says, The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. He says, Everyone who came before me, all the religious leaders before me, they were thieves and robbers. They, they were not the guy. They were not the way. And so he's doubling down on what he said earlier. That if anybody tries to come to God through any other way or teach you to go to God by any other means, save Jesus, then they are, of course, they're in it for what they can get out of it. Anyone who uh, denies that Jesus Christ is lower, they have the spirit of Antichrist. I don't care if they are in any type of religion. The Bible says that they have the spirit of Antichrist. They are children and propagators of the devil's message. You know that uh, the Bible says if an angel of light comes unto you and preaches any other gospel, that let him be anathema, let him be accursed. You understand what that means? If somebody preaches another gospel to you, uh, you, you know what you say to them? You know what God says in his word? Let them be banished to hell. This is serious to God. Because I'm telling you, wide is the road of destruction. And I truly believe that false religion is one of the devil's uh, most utilized tools. And you say, Pastor, hey, that's not comfortable for me to say at Thanksgiving coming up to my... <laughs> you fill in the blank, my family member who's in this and who's, you know, we see a rise in the use of... of of mysticism and crystals and and we see I, you know I have nieces who are walking around with the evil eye around their neck and they're they're they're, they're burning sage and they're doing all these other demonic and you know a lot of the yoga practices and I, I can keep going I'm telling you what that is doing it is steering people away from Jesus Christ and Christians we've just become so oh we don't want to offend anybody kumbaya my lord. These people who propagate this, they're thieves and they're robbers. They're children of the devil. They're coming to steal, kill, and destroy. And ultimately, at the end of anything save a relationship with Jesus Christ is eternal destruction. And we've got to get back to preaching the whole counsel of the Word of God, whether it be popular or not. Jesus said all. He said, he, he, he said there's only two categories. Me and all the other ones. And they're all thieves and robbers. All who came before me, they're thieves and robbers. He says, but the sheep did not hear them. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that when I heard the gospel at nine years old, I heard his voice clearly. And many of you, you've heard his voice, and now you know where else can you go? He is the only one who has eternal life. 
He is the only Savior. There's no one like Him. There's no one who can fulfill. Oh, what He said to that woman at the well, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Oh, I've seen this to be true. I find it very telling when Christians are perpetually, now I'm not beating anybody up this morning, I find it hard to understand uh, when Christians are perpetually depressed and depressed perpetually uh, in, in bad moods and perpetually uh, in a state that uh, makes people not want to have anything to do with Christianity. Uh, I find that very telling. It is not that Jesus is not what He's promised He'd be. It is not that He is not all that He claimed to be. The problem is with us. Now, I'm not saying we don't get depressed. I get depressed. There's sometimes when we are there, but for some reason, God just won't let me stay there. I, I, <laughs> I can't explain it to you. Sometimes it happens right before I come up here. Where God just pours into me His Spirit. I feel His presence. And nothing I can do but just let the tears roll. And then, then I know I'm ready, God. You filled me up. Now you're going to pour me out, God. And I'm telling you, you can have that at home alone at 7 p.m. when you turn off the TV and you put down the smartphone that's made us very dumb. And, and, and you get in the Word of God and you put some worship on and you press in to God say, God, I'm not leaving this chair. I'm not getting off of my knees until I hear from you, Jesus, until I feel your presence, until I know that you've heard my prayer. I'm telling you, that's what's missing in a lot of lives. You don't have that burning desire to, to be with Jesus, to, to experience Him. And, and because of that, you've used substitutes uh, that will never, never fulfill. I'm telling you, these men before Jesus, these Pharisees, they had substituted a relationship with God with power, with influence, with wealth. And those we know, after testimony after testimony, we know that this, these things do not fulfill. These things are sad replacements for what only Jesus can give us. These men, because of their rejection from God, they have become tools in the hand of Satan. They, they, they made it harder for people to come to know God. But Jesus showed up and like He did for the blind man, He sought him out. So I want you to see this morning, Jesus goes on in verse number 10. He says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I want to tell somebody that this morning. Jesus has come to give you life. First of all, he wants to give you spiritual life. He, he, he desires to save you from yourself, to save you from sin. And to give you eternal life. He's promised this, that any who come unto Him, any who call out on His name for salvation, that He will give them eternal life. We're going to see it here in chapter 10. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them to them eternal life and they shall never 
perish. Do you have the assurance this morning that when you take your last breath this side of eternity that you will be with Jesus? Do you have the assurance in the, uh, of the Holy Spirit within you? Do you hear his voice? Do you have a relationship with him? I'm not saying did you uh, get baptized. I'm not saying do you belong to a church. I'm saying do you know the shepherd? Do you know his voice? Has there been a time in your life where you came into personal relationship with him? He wants to give you life and life more abundantly. That's what he has come for. He's come so that we can experience the abundant life, not just in heaven. I want you to understand. Yes, we look forward to heaven. But Jesus wants to give you the abundant life today. You know, it's not something that's mystical or or, or far-fetched to to, to know and to experience the joy of God. And you know what joy is? It's not happiness. You know, I was happy when I got that new car, but when someone dented it, you know, <laughs> you know, hap- happiness is depending on what's happening, right? But joy is in spite of circumstances. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit when you have a relationship with God. I've seen people on chemo, stage four cancer, with more joy than some of you in this room because they're close to the shepherd. And he's giving them life abundantly. What does that what does that look like, Pastor? Well, I'm just I'm kind of new to it, but it looks like peace that passed it all understanding in the midst of whatever storm you're in. You could sleep at the bottom of the boat if you're next to the shepherd. It looks like whatever life throws at you, you have some you have a hiding place, you have someone to run to, you have Jesus, the magnificent, to walk with you through it. I'm telling you, he will be everything that you need. And I know you're saying, Pastor, you keep living a little longer. You're going to experience some more suffering and pain. Yes, we are not exempt from pain and suffering, from loss, from death, from sickness, and all the other things that everyone in the human experience will go through. But what I know to be the difference maker is whether or not I'm close to Jesus. When I'm close to Jesus, oh, like I said, he gives you the peace that passes all understanding. He is the Prince of Peace. And I'm telling you, what price tag can you put on peace, family? Nothing. And so, do you have that abundant life this morning? Can you say that out of your belly from time to time? Now, we're leaky vessels, right? I can leave here like right now I'm on fire. I can go home, step in the house. Uh, the other day I, I was watching the kids and, and Erica was running some errands and I, I just dozed off for a minute, right? I wake up. The house is absolutely destroyed. They have red Play-Doh and kinetic sand all in the carpet and I mean everywhere down the, I mean I, I, mean, I kid you not. It was all I could do to say, I said, you guys, go to your room before I destroy you. (laughs) 30 seconds later, my wife walks in the door. She says, you're fired. (laughs) I said, you're the one who bought the stuff. Have fun cleaning. (laughs) And I was in the flesh. Just like that. We're leaky vessels. Yes. But I'm telling you, we can experience the abundant life. We can experience more of God 
His peace, His presence. I'm telling you, when God's presence is real to you, if He, he is present in your day-to-day, it's just so much sweeter than it is when it's the other way around, when He's not close, when you feel like you're distant from Him. So I just want to encourage someone with that today. He said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. If you need Christ today, I want to encourage you to come to Him. He has already made a way for you. When He was on that cross, He had you on His heart. He had me on His heart. And all He, only thing that He is asking from us is to respond in faith, to trust Him as our Savior. If you're a Christian and you haven't been experiencing the abundant life, I want to encourage you to come to the altar. Usually, in my life and in your life, we don't experience the abundant life when we are grieving the Holy Spirit some way in our lives. There's something that's quenching the Spirit in our lives, whether it be something that's openly sinful or something that is more hidden. Maybe bitterness is what's doing it for you right now. Unforgiveness. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, you can bring it to the altar this morning and you can leave here this morning on fire for God. You can leave here having made your heart thoroughly right as best as you know with God. And there's joy. There's a, I can tell when you guys walk in here who has been walking with God this week a lot of times. Because we see him walk in and it's like, who's in my seat? <laughs> I'm just kidding. And then you see those who are coming in and it's like, they're, yeah, let's go, I'm ready, I'm ready, let's go. You know, and, and they, they just want to continue in what they've been experiencing this week. You know what the, the Sunday is supposed to be? It's supposed to be just a rally, uh, an extension of what we have already been doing all week. And uh, but most times, you know, a lot of churches, you, you gotta you gotta raise the dead every week, and that's a lot of weight for a preacher. <laughs> and I'm like, so I given up a long time ago, Phil. I don't. I just, Lord, I'm gonna say what you want me to say. I might step on toes, but who cares? Some of you, you need the shepherd this morning. You need the good shepherd. You don't have a relationship with God. That's where you need to respond today. Those of us who do know him, we need to make sure that we are close to him. If there's been a time in your life when you've been closer to the shepherd, you have reason to get right this morning. And uh, let God do business in your heart. 